Welcome to Bruins Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording. We're recording. Um, yay, basketball. Basketball is back and it's what? We just had our third and fourth game since the season has resumed in January. So here we are with some mixed results. Last week sucked, man. That was a a, a frustrating um frustrating week of, of basketball. Always frustrating game of basketball. Um wow. Yeah, the uh the Oregon schools came to town um last Wednesday, Thursday, I forget what day. Um we played Oregon who you know, coming into the game, I think was nine and six overall. Have not had like a great season, but it seemed like they were gelling. You know, playing a little bit better. Uh, they've, you know, as a typical Dana Altman team, always have a lot of uh, good athletic players, a lot of talent, um, some 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 experienced transfers that you know hadn't really gelled with the team yet. Um, and of course, <laughs> in true UCLA fashion, we gave them an opportunity to gel together. Um, they really just shot the ball incredibly well. We couldn't play defense on them. We forgot how to rebound. Um, and it was just a perfect storm of just terrible, terrible basketball from UCLA, um, which ended up in an overtime result now, or uh, overtime loss. The good news, if you're taking away any sort of silver lining from this, is that even though we played our, like, C-minus game, D-plus game, whatever you want to say, it was not good. I'd probably give it a D-plus. Um, we still only... We still took them in overtime, and we still lost only by three while they gave us their, like, A game. Um... So that's the good news um, there. The bad news is we still took a loss to a team that had a, a pretty bad record. Um, but I do think that Oregon is ascending because they went on the next day or two later to go really kick the teeth in on USC. Um, so you know, I think that that team is going to be the fourth team in the conference to kind of um, sneak uh, in. try to get it. Yeah, uh, so we'll we'll see. Hopefully now we kind of, unfortunately, because I really fucking hate Oregon now and have for a few years, um, uh, we, we got to kind of root for them to keep winning so it doesn't end up being a bad loss for us. But I, if I were a betting man, I would probably say that um, Oregon is going to keep playing at a very high level now. Um, yeah, but Oregon's we'll Oregon's an interesting one because I know, you know, last time we spoke and we previewed them, we we knew that the talent was there. We knew, you know, they're on a three-game win streak. But they also went down to the wire with Oregon State, which by no means is the same team that we saw, you know, last year's in the tournament. And both teams we've said are well coached. The Oregon schools are well coached. Um and we know that's a rivalry game, so we didn't try to take too much out of it, but we were expecting a win. Um, and I was expecting a win all the way up till probably the first few minutes of overtime. Uh, and maybe I had a moment where we were going to lose until that Jalen Clark still. I mean, the the way he kept us in the game, 
was really instrumental and I think speaks to like his role, you know, on the team moving forward. He's trending up as we all seen um, with the next game, which we'll get into. But the thing with Oregon, again, it's one of those, it's frustrating to lose to them in overtime at home with no fans. Like there's all these different factors, third game of the season. Um, Jacob Young has a game of terrible refereeing. Yeah. And on both they, sides, both sides. And then you have Jacob Young, who has the game of the, uh, you know, the season so far for himself. He was just hot. He was doing everything. He was, you know, crossing over Miles Johnson, who shouldn't have been on the perimeter on a switch. And then you had him just hitting these ridiculous shots at the elbows that were just clutch. Like he had, you know, some something was just flowing for him that night to the point that he was yelling, it's my house in Pauly. To no fans, which is funny to me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. If a tree falls, do you hear it? And, I, you know, this guy's yelling out, it's my house. Granted, he's on TV at 11, you know, p.m. East Coast time. But point aside, Jacob Young had his little moment. I found it was hilarious. Um, UCLA loses, you know, so, every you know, everybody wakes up. LT lost to Oregon. We will see how this loss weighs. I know that, you know, there's a quadrant type of wins and losses. It could change over the season, and hopefully by the time we play them in late February, I'm really hoping that they had beat Arizona by that time, uh, you know, which is the game before us. And I hope we get them at home. Again, as Zed says, you know, he pointed to them. We have had battles with Dana Altman for the past, what, uh, decade when it comes to Oregon and splitting these these kind of games. It's always nice when we can get a sweep against them. Sometimes we only play them once in a season, but uh, it, the fact that he got the first you know punch on us, hopefully we can punch back harder and this team would be better. Um, so it it was one of those. I was frustrated. I wasn't too distraught over it, um, but I was just like, eh, that's a bit annoying. It was more annoying annoying loss than anything. Yeah, it was it was particularly annoying because there were moments in that first half of the game where we were starting to open up like a six, seven, eight point lead, and it was clear there was blood in the water. Um, and there were the, those were the moments where we could have stepped on their throats, really, and you know, built up a, a double digit lead and, and pushed forward but we just we couldn't do it every time we we did play a good stretch of basketball it looked like we just got kind of lazy and stopped you know putting that effort forward and Oregon of course came back um every time uh but it was it was a you're right it was very frustrating um you know teams have off nights I don't know if that was just an off night or something more endemic of this team. I think that there's certain things that are becoming endemic of this team a little bit that I think McCrona needs to figure out, but also hard to even point to the cause of that, whether it's guys not buying in or if it's guys conditioning, because clearly their conditioning is still not back to, you know, peak uh, conditioning as it was before the stoppage. So I think there's still a lot of factors. Plus, you know, the not having fans in the building is, it's tough to begin with. Um, so it's, it's, it, there's a lot of factors like you mentioned. Um, but well, you know, well, what was concerning to me was the free throw shooting. There's three things, free throw shooting, the interior defense against athletes. Like, I mean, Dante was so efficient from the inside and 
was killing us on the rebounds. And Miles and Riley just haven't found their flow yet. And Miles had wasn't that great during the game. Um, and then the other thing, like you could see on the wings, Hakez just obviously was gimpy throughout the game. And, and, and you know, as we see, he sat out during Oregon State. He wasn't his usual self. And he is, as we said, he's the second most important player on this team, uh, just behind Tiger. And right before, you know, Riley. But also, other thing is, I mean, we have to point out, Jules, like, you, if you're going, if you're missing, if you're shooting 25%, don't keep shooting. And just some of the ISO plays he had just reminded me of last year's um, and the year before his midseason form where he just, I don't know, you know, it's like, what are you playing for in the type of plays that he does like they he went one for eight from three like why and a lot of those were just like iso threes um where instead of you know shooting in the flow of the offense so that was a little concerning um but yeah that those are things that just popped up in this Oregon game that we weren't expecting after a solid Cal win uh and and again to your point that's what made it frustrating yeah um it was, yeah, it was a weird game. Um, but, you know, moving forward to the next game, um, you know, Oregon State, another team that, you know, as, as you mentioned, is very well coached. They just typically don't have the same level of athlete and same level of player um, from a recruiting perspective that I, that I think Oregon gets. Um, but, you know, Wayne Tinkle always has his guys ready to play. Um, and... What I was looking for in this game was, you know, do we come out with energy? Do we come out with some, you know, uh, pride and and play some hard defense? And and we we did for the most part. I think we came out, um, you know, that we gave Oregon State some chances early to keep it close. Um, but I think that second half, we, we played a lot more, more defense and we just played with a lot more energy. Um, and that was all done with Jaime Jaquez on the bench. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Jaime did not play. His uh, ankle injury from before flared up against Oregon, um, which is why he looked so um, slow and, and unaggressive. Um, and... In this game, we started Jalen Clark, and I think um, starting in the Oregon game and really in the Oregon State game, we are now seeing the ascendancy of Jalen Clark. Um, you know, in, against Oregon, we saw Peyton Watson, um, which we didn't mention, kind of go off for his best offensive and defensive game of the season, bar none. Um, and he did continue to play at that high energy level um, in against Oregon State, but Jalen Clark got the start, um, and he played incredibly well coming in uh, for his first start. I think in the first half, he was 5 for 5, um, scored 11 points, played really, really good energetic defense, um, and is really, you know, becoming a, a very solid all-around player to the point where you cannot afford to leave him on the bench too long. And I think McCronin is now getting to this point where 
you know, we're, we have to figure out how, ways to get Jalen Clark on the floor, whether that means less minutes for Jules or whoever. Um, yes, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Jules. Um, you know, we need, we need Jalen Clark on the floor. And the same can be said for Peyton Watson. I think Peyton Watson is also starting to show a lot of improvement. Um, and so now we have two guys coming off the bench um, that are very athletic, play very energetic defense, and now are no longer offensive liabilities. I think that that was Jalen's biggest issue was yeah, he's always played good defense. He's always you know played with a lot of energy. Uh, he rebounds well. But he really couldn't score. Um, and now he is actually scoring. He's getting to the, the basket. He's driving. Um, and he's actually sh- uh, hitting three-point shots at a pretty consistent level now. Um, his, his stroke looks really smooth. Um, so you have to respect him from deep now. And so he's, he's becoming a much more complete player. Um, so that was, that was great to see him emerge against Oregon State. Um, I also want to shout out Johnny. I think played one of his best games, I think, in a Bruin uniform um, from a both an offensive and a defensive perspective. Uh, he played very good defense this game. He was really energetic and, you know, sticking to his man, really not giving up on plays, um, you know, rebounding the ball pretty well, um, which he's done actually pretty well all season, but... Um, Johnny, Johnny played a hell of a game, uh, and then obviously he was, he was torching them on the, the offensive side. He was, he was, he was hot. So it was kind of the bounce back we were looking to see, um, wasn't perfect, but I think winning by 16 without one of your starters and, and, uh, sorry about that, um, Playing, playing with that kind of energy was, was good to see. So I was, I was happy with the, um, the bounce back. What did you think about that game? I agree. I, um, I thought Johnny did his best uh, Hawkeyes impression in terms of helping everywhere he could. He just had a, a very good overall game, and you saw how that also paid dividends in the shooting. Um, his free throws. I mean, our again, our free throws were much better this night in terms of it was eighty percent. It was still tough. It's always tough seeing Ju Zhang like miss two free throws, but you have to remember he is a mortal shooter um, when it comes from the line. But you know that's the expectations I have for him at the free throw line. Uh, but he had a really great game. I think it was one of his best games overall um, of the season. Even though he's had bigger moments from other games, like you know Nova being the first impression. Uh, when he gets hot, he has his hot moments. But overall game, I think this arguably was his best game. And it followed up after a 23-point effort on the last game. So you're starting to see Juzang live up to the billing, uh, but also his impact be elsewhere than just shooting and having those hot moments. And it was much needed in this game. Um, I also think, like you said, Clark, I mean, you know how I feel. I think Clark... Uh, should there should be a conversation of him starting. And I think the role of Jules actually, I think for the team, it could work out, you know, once Hawkes is better. Jules as a six-man just sounds perfect in terms of a fit, like him coming off the bench and sparking energy because that's what he loves to do. 
And I think he could thrive in that role. It's kind of like a, a Nick Young kind of type role. Um, obviously, Jules is a better distributor and passer, even though we give him some flack on his shooting. Then, uh, then Nick Young. But the I say that comparison because I think he can give a big spark that we need. And then to your point, Watson, I mean, his growth. I, what's interesting with Watson is that you start to see his confidence uh, with his own, you know, his offensive uh, skills and and what he has in his toolbox. And you start to see that come to play. He's, he's hitting a bit of tougher shots, but he's finding his spots. Granted, he's noticing that he can't just beat the man off the dribble. Uh, he has very long wingspan and his handle's just not t- that tight yet. So going to take time but it is you know promising to see what he's done in both games and hopefully that will be a huge improvement and again you know just with miles and and riley we just we need to see more uh from them on the defensive side riley's as we've seen his his jumper is automatic uh riley's still coming back and getting to his flow but we do have higher expectations for miles because if nuuba's injury is really serious which it doesn't sound like it is uh, again, it just speaks that him dropping just it 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 just scares you because of the lack of depth we have with big men right now. Uh, so it's just that instrumental for those big guys. And then I hope Singleton's all right as well. We hopefully we don't go through this like this bug, this injury bug that's hitting the team that started with Hawkes. Yeah, I think I think both guys are okay based on can take take this with a grain of salt, but. Singleton on social media was was seemed fine. Um, was talking about practicing and, and stuff, and I don't know about Nuba, but he, it would, he never went into the locker room or anything and was hanging out the entire time on the sideline. So we're gonna. Uh, we're, I, I think. But sorry, I said we're gonna miss Nuba's TikTok dances for a week. <laughs> yeah, um, it is concerning that the. The, the big man depth is, is thin. So, you know, uh, losing Nuba, even though he doesn't play a lot now with um, Cody back, it would be would be less than ideal. I think Nuba, you know, he, he's, he's improved a lot and he's shown he can be an effective defensive presence. Um, he's actually even shown a little bit of offense. So it's nice to have that guy kind of waiting in the wings if you ever need him in a, in a pinch. Um, so I I hope he's 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 healthy, um, and it, it seems like they're they're okay. But um, you know, we now have a very tough um, schedule, stretch of schedule coming up with uh, the Mountain Games first on the road with Utah this Thursday, and then Colorado on Saturday. Um, and then Arizona coming up the on the twenty fifth. So this is a pretty key stretch. Um, I don't want to look ahead to Arizona yet. Um, it's down the road, but these these mountain schools, again, uh, they're playing at a at a better level now than than they were earlier on in the season. But then we're also going on the road and playing at Utah and playing at Colorado and that altitude is 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 always difficult. Um, and I am curious to see how our conditioning is, is moving along because we need to, these, these are two arenas that you need to be pretty well conditioned for to, to play well in. Um, and so hopefully I'm a little afraid that hopefully that does not catch us, catch up with us and, and kind of, 
um, bite us in the ass there. Uh, that would be an unfortunate way to lose. Um, but we'll see. I think um, this is going to be a, a telling stretch about our team. Um, and we could really, you know, stay in the Pac-12 race here or really lose it against either of these teams. So uh, critical, critical couple of games coming up. Um, again, Utah's on Thursday night, I think at 6.30, I want to say. And Colorado's at 6 on Saturday uh, p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, what are you looking for in these games? Real quick, uh, Utah. Utah's at uh, at eight your time at eight. eleven my time. Okay. On uh, on FS one, I mean Utah is interesting because again with the mountain, you pointed, you kind of alluded to it in terms of conditioning. Both of these schools um, very much benefit, uh, whether it's in the numbers or the results from the mountains, and and we both know that from the high altitude. Um, and so their record again, it's it's interesting because they're eight and ten, and they had a battle with Arizona in Arizona before. I mean, twelve minutes left in a game, and then for some reason they just decided not to score. But they were down by one, and all of a sudden they didn't score for the next seven minutes. So of course Arizona's, you know, the result's going to look like much worse than it was. But they gave Arizona a battle, which is a very good team, as we're going to see the following week. Um, and, but yeah, those, there are all those things like their center. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Lahat is his first name. Um, the Senegali, Senegalese guy, uh, he, I, I'm curious to see how we hold up against him. Cause it's going to be sen- similar to a big dude. That's like with the same body type as Dante from Oregon. I want to see how Cronin schemes against him with miles and Riley uh, but outside of that, I mean, they're just a pretty even team. While they're not extremely talented, uh, this is a team that's six and three at home. So uh, you know, while their record's eight and ten, um, it's because of the lack of you know focus or whatever. You know, performance on the road more so than anything. So we should not underestimate this team um, at all, and I don't think we ever do. But just to that point is looking at the record could be misleading for you, the Utes. And then on the other side, I mean, the Buffs, as we played them now once in December, they're going to be a different team. I would I would give them the same treatment that we should have given Oregon, and I think, you know, our players, hopefully they do, that this team is better now uh, in January than they were in December. And they lost, you know, they were a team that had a lot of attrition and 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 lost some players, and, and now they're getting into a groove. And they also have a better home record than Utah. They're 9-1. They're and one. So it is very much going to be a battle. Um, I am expecting a win against Utah, and, you know, pretty convincingly by the end. But Colorado is going to be a, a tricky one. And we'll see even. I mean, they play USC on Thursday. I think that would be a good barometer. Granted, we're two different teams, but just to see how they hold up because – uh, this is a team that has, you know, who we wish was a Bruin and KJ Simpson, but they have like some older guys who from Batty, who has obviously been a thorn in our side throughout the past few years, but other guys who just play well and they're going to be there to hit the shot. So I'm expecting a, a really solid, a really, really solid competition between the two. Um, and I am expecting a win, but I'm expecting a battle against Colorado that will be similar to, uh, to Oregon in the sense of like a well-coached team. 
Yeah, they're they're a little different in the sense that they um, they love to to go at the hoop as a lot more than than a lot of teams. Um, Tad Boyle has always kind of plays this this physical brand of basketball, um, and always you know I I I think Tad Boyle is a very 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 good coach, um, and I think Mick Cronin respects him too. So he he always has his guys ready. Um, you know they they played us pretty tough at Poly to start the season. Um, I mean, we, we blew it open eventually, but, uh, and, and I do think that they're playing better ball now than they were earlier on. So it's, it, both these games and, and Utah, both are going to be tough games. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how we, how we come out against them. Um, and, and hopefully, like I said earlier, conditioning is not what causes us to lose these games because that would be, That'd be tough. Um, Especially tough. conditioning with our big men, where we need it the most against these two. Yeah, right. I mean, Riley especially. Um, he's just... He's coming off like a almost two-month-long break, so it's 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 unfortunate for him. Um, you know, I, and... And when I say conditioning, this isn't a, this isn't meant to be a knock on on the players. I don't think it's a lack of effort or anything for them. It's you know they most of them had COVID and they were out for a month that where they couldn't do their normal conditioning activity. So it's not their fault. Um, it's just a, a bad hand we were dealt, and we're trying to get back into that game shape. But I do think that we're hopefully continuously getting better. I'm not worried that Mick is overlooking that, but I'm just worried that uh, we haven't had enough time to actually get there yet. Um, I, I want to point to one player in Colorado that if we limit, we will have a good chance to win, and that's uh, Jabari Walker because he's come into his own. He had a great game against ASU, uh, one of their forwards. So he's going to be key along with Batty and the other guys. And yeah, uh, Batty's an interesting player. He he's he's just a guy. He he's kind of he's not overly big. He's wide, but not super big. He's strong, and he's not super athletic. But he's just one of those guys that can that can play. Um, and I think I think Cody's gonna have to to be able to. To uh, play some good defense on him, and same and and to your point, Walker, I think is is coming into his own, and he is a perfect player to stick Jalen Clark on. Um, I would love to see Clark step up to that challenge. I and, like that. Um, Do Zed doing a little bit of scouting right now? Take note. Well, I I mean, I'll be honest. I'll stick Jalen Clark on just about anybody, including a seven foot big man, because I believe in that kid. So, you know, but, but I do think that, you know, I, I think, uh, Walker's a little bigger than him, but not by a lot. And, and Jalen plays bigger than he is. So I, I think that'd be a great matchup. And I'm, I'm hoping, hoping that, um, we can, uh, I'm hoping Jaime is back, but if not, then I think, um, I think, uh, Jalen being, being on him would be good, but, I'm pretty sure Jaime is practicing already, and and hopefully he's back, um, yeah. and healthy. So, um, it's interesting. After last week, I think Pac-12 basketball showed a lot of things um, 
to us, I think it's clear that Arizona, as of right now, is, is the best team in the conference, um, as much as it pains me to say that, because fuck them. Um, but I will caveat that with they haven't really played anyone yet. Um, I know they've beat Illinois, who is not as good as we thought, and I don't think Kofi uh, Coburn was back when they played, so... You know, take that with a little grain of salt. And they beat um, a Michigan team that was ranked four at the time, but has really fallen apart uh, since. And so we know that they really were not very good. Um, and they really, aside of, from that, their, their strength of schedule has been pretty weak. So I'm interested to see how they... Um, how they uh, will do against some better teams. Now they've they've played some solid Pac-12 teams and have come out on top, but you know they haven't always necessarily looked great doing it. I think you pointed out Utah had them in a in a fight for a while. I think Colorado's had them in a fight. Um, so we'll see what it comes down to them playing us. Um, maybe maybe USC and Oregon as of right now, and see how they, they do against them. Uh, I think, you know, SC, in my opinion, has been a fraud, um, and that showed they played one good team or team that looks good all of a sudden and is ascending and got run out of the gym by Oregon and then lost to a, a decent, not nothing special in Oregon State team, um, so I think that they've been living off playing a very, very, very weak schedule, and we'll see how they do the rest of the, the way. Um, and, and, then, and then ourselves, UCLA has, has shown that they can step up to being great and being very, very good. We just haven't hit those heights yet, and, and McCronin has some work to do there. But, which, which, honestly, I think Isaiah and I, we've sort of been saying that for a while. Like, yes, we've looked good in spurts we've been playing some good basketball some mediocre basketball and there's there's a lot of work to be done to get to um where we need to be yeah and then i guess to give a context and a reminder to us this is a wide open year so uh duke just lost last night which was an amazing game to watch uh especially a result but um we shouldn't be down on ourselves in terms of, of course, we want the best seating. We want the right, you know, the perfect region. But uh, it's a matter of how we look and the consistency, as, you know, we all preach and just the effort that we're seeing uh, because other teams are going to fall. And so there's going to be a lot of moving paces throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I I trust Mick to get us where we need to be going into the tournament. Um I would like for us to win the conference. Um, it's it's a tough year. It's top heavy, and I think you can't lose more than two games uh, in conference this year to to really be in the in the running. But we'll see. Um, and I would love to get a, a top, you know, two to three seed, preferably two. Um, uh, I think Gonzaga right now is a front runner for the one in the West by far, but we'll see what happens in the, the WCC. But if UCLA can get the two or three, um, that would be 
ideal. I think we'll even – I think if we beat Arizona – so, granted, if both teams go undefeated into next Tuesday, we'll we'll jump back into the top four the way things are shuffling. So, uh, I, I don't think it's out of the question of getting a, a one – is it Midwest or South seed? Would it be – would they have us in the South? I think it's the Midwest. I don't know. I haven't looked at any, any bracketology stuff. Lunardi um, had us, I think, in the South um, before this Oregon loss as the one seed, but I may be wrong. It's one of those two. Uh, so we'll definitely be in the East if Lunardi's putting us somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But to that point, is a one seed's not out of question. Two seed is the target. It you know more likely realistic for us, but regardless, uh, let's like you said, let's just keep winning with consistency and effort. Yeah. Um, We're trying to go well, to NOLA. <laughs> trying. <laughs> trying. Rooms are booked, um, so we'll see. Cool. Um, moving on to the uh, other big big revenue sport on campus, um, football. A lot has happened uh, since we last talked. I think last episode we got the live news that uh, Azanaro had been fired. But since then, we've had a lot of other things happening, including Chip Kelly getting his uh, contract extension. Um, What did you think about the uh, terms? How deeply have you looked at them um, first? But what are your kind of initial thoughts on, on that? Wait, what are the terms outside of the the leakings? Uh, the has the contract came out yet? I don't think so. I haven't seen it. I I haven't been actively looking for it, but I haven't seen it. But we know that he will be making four point six or seven million um, yeah. this year, um, which which seems, if I'm reading the contract correctly, that's actually a pay cut by like eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. Um, so that's cool. Um, I think that it's, it's a four year deal. We haven't seen a lot of details. What I'm hoping we see in there is a lot of incentive based, um, bonuses rather than just a high salary. Um, cause clearly paying Chip Kelly a lot of money to not be incentivized to win has not worked out great for us. <laughs> He's, um, he's cared about winning today. Just he's just trying to have a good oh Wednesday. <laughs> Not a good. I, Rose I'm Bowl. very not a good curious. Pac-12 championship. Oh God, yeah. it's not going to happen. Uh, um, I want to see a, a buyout and or the buyout number and see what that looks like because obviously the last. Um, Last regime did not get us a very favorable buyout number, so if that has been reduced to something below $9 million, that's a win, and if it's something palatable, which I expect it to be, that would be excellent. Something that, you know, we, if we need to part ways in the next year or two, we're able to do so without having to um, take on a huge financial burden, so that's something I'm looking for. The other thing I am interested to see, and I don't know if this will be in the contract or not, is if Martin Jarmond has put himself into the equation on making coaching decisions, um, and if he has any purview over uh, who 
uh, Chip can hire at his position coaches or, you know, coordinators and whatnot. I think that was an issue that we had in, uh, before that Chip was basically asked for and was given, like, uh, pure GM-type roles in that sense. Um, and that clearly did not work out because he hired some of the most god-awful, not, not some, the most god-awful defensive coordinator I can think of in, in recent memory at UCLA um, in Jerry Azanaro and then refused to fire the motherfucker. So uh, clearly Chip cannot make those decisions on his own. I do not believe he's capable of doing so. Um, so I would be interested to see if um, Martin Jarman has inserted himself into that equation um, to have some sort of uh, guiding hand there. But we'll see. Yeah, I I'm waiting for the terms because I'm I'm just as you I'm I'm curious about the buyout and just to clarify they called it a four year extension but it's actually just three years on top of 2022 and and I think it 2022 is restructured on unless they, they just changed the talent fee where it brought down the average to 4.7 um, for the other you know the remaining years. But I yeah, I mean this is essentially what we were trending to and what we thought may happen after USC. Uh it, it seemed, you know, the process seems a bit more drawn out. There's been the, the drama with Oregon, there's been the change in in agent with Sexton. Like yeah, it, it's it's I mean it's just been a drama filled all season for for CFB in general, but US UCLA has had its own and it seems to be calming now. It seems that after Black Monday, you know, the it, this all seems like an agent move, guided move that they had waited till after Black Monday in the NFL. Chip has got his fillers, and um, you know, while I do think he wants to be at UCLA, I, I I do think there was a play to it, and Jarman stood his ground. And it, it you know, once I saw that number that's being reported, you know, from Wilner, uh, I'm thinking that that he stood his ground and and I'm glad to see that. I think it was the right move given what was out there at the moment and and the team in the transfers uh happening that were coming in and also our returners that we have which we'll go to in a second. So while we, you know, we've been back and forth on Chip, we he has very much his faults whether it's hiring, um the the offense coming along in the past few years but the defense not being able to to hold up and and causing us a couple losses per season. Um you know, this is where we are and Chip Kelly's a big name. Continuity is rare in college football. Uh so let's give it to these players and uh we have an easy schedule and there's very much a big chance we could still compete in a South that is going to be uh, not, it's going to be most likely favored for Utah. And then all the national media pundits who don't know football are going to be choosing USC, but we know that we're probably right behind Utah going into next year. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm ex- I, I am, you know, pending on the DC hire, which that is what I'm curious about, you know, outside of also the buyout terms. Uh, now that as is gone, that's been a big, you know, weight off our shoulder. And with the names that are out there, whether it's Maddox or Tony White or Jimmy Lake, uh, I even, you know, I, I, Vic Fangio, which is obviously a pipe dream, um, the coach for the Broncos who will probably stay in the NFL. 
like there are some options out there so it would be very hard i mean not very surprising but for chip to botch this next hire because uh, he did let me ask pass. you this who, who who would you want you know it's interesting because i think jimmy lake would obviously with all the drama that's happened happened in washington there's going to be mixed things that come out about him uh we what we do know is that our corners and our DBs, which has been our weakness, uh, and our safeties would be elite. However, I am more curious about teams like Oregon and Utah who have such a big run game. How do we stop the run um, while the, 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 our DBs and our secondary is still solid? Because while you know, Pac-12 has been known as a pass-happy conference, uh, Jimmy Lake, and he has had some big guys up front, you know, as in his ascension up there. Jimmy Lake's the obvious, you know, he would be, I, I would be happy with him, but I would be curious to see how White is um, and, and Tony White and the defense he's had with Syracuse has competed in the ACC, but it seemed like a pretty good defense. Uh, Jimmy Lake's obviously the name just because of the West Coast connections I would probably go for. I would just still have some question marks. Does it work against the other teams that are the contenders? in the Pac-12. That would just be my one concern. But I would I would call it an A hire, uh, regardless of the drama that's happened up in Washington. What about you? I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of exciting names out there. I'd be interested to see uh, a, a guy like Maddox come in. Um, I think he, he plays... He takes, you know, SDSU is always known to have a good defense. He's been able to create a, a, a effective defense with the recruits they get. Um, so I'd be, I'd be curious to see. I think Lake would be a good hire. Um, obviously, there's some baggage there. Um, but, but what I'm looking for is a guy that, that is on, on the West Coast, knows the West Coast well, can hopefully recruit. And I don't know if Maddox necessarily... necessarily uh, covers that ground i know he has kind of a uh apparently a, a little bit of a weird take on on um recruiting which you know might might actually work out well with uh with chip and might fit in well but but i think lake is it would be a fun not fun but a but an interesting hire barring any other of the baggage issues with him um He's, he's clearly a very good defensive mind and very good defensive coach. Um, yeah, I would love to get Vic Fangio, I think. Vic Fangio is a, uh excellent defensive mind, obviously. Um, when he was at Stanford for the year, they had a very good defense, um, and he immediately made the jump into the NFL after that um, and has been the head coach. Um, but, I, I you know, with, with varying results, but I think that... Uh, Getting him back into defensive coordinator role would let him shine again, and that's a that's a big big football name. Uh, the other name that I know has been thrown around, and I'm not necessarily as excited about. Um, some people seem really excited about it, but is Gary Patterson? Uh, obviously, he's kind of the godfather of the scheme we we currently run. Um, you know, former Texas Christian TCU head coach. Um, again, known as another very, very good defensive mind, but I'm a little skeptical for bringing someone like that back and, you know, a couple of years removed from the game. Um, 
and and just because he's Chip's friend, obviously he has the recruiting chops, or sorry, the coaching chops. Um, but recruiting again on the West Coast is a little bit concerning. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I think this is a this is a big opportunity for us to get this right. And to your point, next season we have such a weak season, uh, or sorry, weak schedule. We should be able to win a lot of games. I like I look at that schedule, and if we have a half decent defense, like we win ten games, and it shouldn't be that hard. Agreed. But but I don't. I just I I'm not confident that we'll put it together like that. Um, and which is which is unfortunate, but. It is what it is, and until Chip Kelly makes that home run higher, uh, hopefully with with Martin Jarman helping a little bit, um, I, I I will not. I don't think we'll win ten games next season, unfortunately. Um, but that's looking looking ahead a little too much. Um, we have some other other coaching uh, holes we're trying to um, trying to fill as well. Yeah, and uh, one thing with Jimmy Lake is I think with most of these parents, they like to know what players did you coach, right? And when it's easy name, when you can say Buda Baker, I recruited and coached him, Byron Murphy, two guys who are actually on, you know, the Cardinals um, secondary and they're in the pros. Like, it just helps with recruiting as well, which is what this team needs. I think Maddox, I don't, I, to your point, Maddox, I don't mind. I think he, he'll be a tactician. And a very good coach, uh, so he'd be improvement there. But with how sterile this defensive staff is, with with you know, recruiting the secondary. Granted, we did get Kamari and we did get Kirkwood. We still need more dudes, and so I I think that's another reason just to Lake. And then also Gary Patterson. I just saw him at a Texas game wearing a Texas uh, thing last night. So I'm assuming that he's heading there as an analyst or whatever type of role Sark is bringing him under. So. I think Gary would be fabulous as well, but I just, uh, it sounds like he's staying in, uh, you know, the, the big old horns, that state, so. Yeah, uh, I think Lake also coached Vita Vea. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, he's put a lot of talent into the league, and even last season when Washington was all over the place, their defense was always pretty, actually still solid. Um, so I, I don't think there's any questions around Lake's coaching. Um, it, there's mostly questions around his, uh, I guess, off-field, not even really off-the-field issues, just um, his uh, coaching style yeah. <laughs> with certain kids. I don't know what, what to even call him. Do you need to stop hitting people? <laughs> Like, I, or don't hit them on camera. I've seen. You know, it's funny. I, I'll say this. I was watching and I saw Cronin push one of our players during the Oregon State game, and I just laughed because, granted, yeah, it's not in a rivalry game against your biggest rival after you said some boneheaded comment about their academics, right? But I was just like, this type of stuff, like everything in totality, again, sunk his ship in, in Washington, and I was just kind of the iceberg on top, like. If that happens in any other situation where they're winning and and uh, and he doesn't make a stupid comment about the other school and he doesn't upset the upper brass of Washington, he's still coaching Washington today. 
So, you know, these type of stuff, while, you know, we don't endorse them in violence and players, it's not Todd Graham type level abuse and all those things from what we heard. And while, you know, it sounds like his, his personality can be abrasive, uh, that's football and all these players, they're not going into it to, to make cupcakes. They're going in it to, to bash each other. And if anyone follows football from the pros to high schools, you can watch Last Chance U. You can watch high school programs. You can look at Brian Flores. You can look at, you know, any coach across any level. They are hard personalities or eat, breathe, and live football. And they really, half of them, if they act like they give a shit, if they're like a moron or whatnot, that's for the politics and that's for the other game. But they really are hard asses. So I just the stuff that happened with Jimmy Lake, I think me and you were just kind of like, whatever, we rolled our eyes. But uh, I, as long as there's no s- violations and show cause stuff, then I, I, I don't have an issue with the behavior style. You see, you see that happening in almost every pro game, I feel like. If you ever watch the sign line, there's always like... Or, or after like a big play, right? And the, the players are, are whooping and hollering and they're getting on the field... You always see one coach come and just start pushing dudes, like grabbing them. Obviously, different context, but like, and 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 even when coaches get mad, they get physical with these guys. Like, I, I it's I understand the players in college are you know seventeen sometimes, probably on the young side, but like eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty. They're they're young, got they're kids still, right? So. To, to kind of hit or push or be physical with them is a little bit different. But at the same time, it's, like, more than likely that player is probably way bigger than Jimmy Lake even now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if he really got angry, could probably really hurt Jimmy Lake. I'm assuming you know, Jimmy Lake's not an old guy or he, he looks like he's in shape, but he's not going to be a current football lover football player level in shape so i yeah it's it's it uh, yeah i agree it wasn't like um you know really abusive stuff i think it, it just um obviously not great but also not inexcusable i think that's something he can improve on um and i think it doesn't make him unhirable but we'll see what happens with um with with good old good old Jimmy, um, the other side of the ball, um, we obviously know that our our good friend um, Justin Fry has moved on to Ohio State as their O line coach, um, which is unfortunate because I I I credit Justin Fry with being a huge 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 part of the the turnaround of the offensive line. I think if you Go back to the end of the Mora years, even into the first year of um, of Chip Kelly's uh, tenure. Our O line was bad; like they were not good. The depth wasn't there. the 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 technical skill wasn't there. Everything was just just falling apart. I felt like, um, and and Fry came in and really was the architect of putting together a very, very good offensive line. And in fact, I think you can argue that over the last couple of years, it's been the best offensive line in the, in the um, conference or, you know, in the top echelon there. Um, 
and that's been largely due to Fry recruiting some some good talent and recruiting some good depth, but just coaching that unit up into being a strength of the team. And we don't run as good of an offense last year or even the season before as we did without that old line. Um, so it is concerning that he is gone, um, but that gives us an opportunity to hire another good coach. Um, unfortunately, it sounds like we might be going with Tim Drevno. Yeah. <laughs> this the the silence is uh <laughs> um you know it's oh, just fuck. one of those things you just try to rational I, I it's hard for me i don't know uh drevno obviously he's pissed off a lot of michigan people usc he was kind of a scapegoat for helton's thing but you know we take him on an analyst i get it he is uh you hire you promote those within staff and especially with someone with his credentials you would expect him if he wants to stay around to to get the job um i just it, it seems like such a uninspired hire especially since the last two programs he's been at no one seems to say anything nice about him from a coaching perspective at least um uh, so it, it this goes back to my comment around hoping that Martin Jarman has some say over staff hires and has some involvement there because again this is another indication that Chip is not the best evaluator of coaching um hires which is funny because he gets so many coaches in that are highly regarded or become highly regarded under his uh within his staff and then they get poached elsewhere but then when it comes to like replacing them we go with some really lazy hires it just it's it's baffling to me yeah i mean this is just there's there's no each off season there's nothing that like gives you just complete confidence that things are turning around it's just this mixed bag of okay there's this but there's also this other move which is perplexing so that is pretty much a summary of UCLA's uh, football program I would say since 2017 here we are yeah at least with more uh, we just knew we were trending down <laughs> <laughs> We, like it's a pretty pretty simple arc <laughs> you start going high and then you trend down but this you know and we we have a point where, where this one is just very confusing but whatever uh let's see if he can he can win something and let's see how short you know his leash is with jarman curious to see that buyout hopefully we'll be talking about it on next week's episode but we'll see Again, we act. We uh, this this whole regime. What has annoyed me about this quickly is that it's remind me more of USC in terms of the the lack of transparency. I get it. There's a new process to things. You don't want things to leak. But once things are coming out, I just and I I want it to. It's a still public university. Give us the information so we can scrutinize and and kick the tire and 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 moan and yell and all that stuff. <laughs> That's why we, we go to UCLA. <laughs> we moan and yell anyways. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, true. Let us get some numbers that are not just speculative uh, or from tweets. But anyways, point is, that's the football program. We'll continue to see. I'm curious to see how we fill in these last, like, what, seven, five to seven rides. 
Um, but it looks like things are going well in the transfer market. I expect us to be within the top 15. Uh, so, yeah, we'll discuss those in future episodes. Yeah, well, we sadly lost some talent, too, with Jay Shaw leaving and Coda yeah. transferring. Um, Shaw being a surprise, but, you know, it sounds as related. We'll, we'll whatever. Um, we got Hearn, so I'm excited about that. And I was watching a video with him with Darnay Holmes, and he's he looks legit. I mean, obviously, he was an all-Mountain West Conference player. He's older. He's from Oceanside, which is cool because it's not like he's not from the area and coming in, but he's actually from the area. Uh, I think is a big thing with our program and keeping in guys and not like he was going to transfer again. But I'm hoping that, you know, this is a cool redemption arc. Oh, also, he did a little history on him. He walked on in Arizona and, and played for them before. So he's one of those late bloomers, and hopefully, you know, he comes in and kills it, which we were expecting for someone like Cam Johnson, which didn't turn out that way. So here we go again to... Uh, a pretty talented small school guy, um, and hopefully he can be a Q Knight more than, you know, Cam Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think there's still a lot of um, room here. There's still Caleb Williams rumors floating around, which I'm I, skeptical of, but yeah. they, people claim they're legit. I won't even touch on Caleb. He... <laughs> I, I, I love the entertaining of it. I actually, I appreciate, I think it's endearing that they're interested and they seem so in, in UCLA and they're, because they could easily just come to USC and not, you know, talk about us. But if whatever reason that'd be in, whatever smokescreen or if there's genuine interest because of Chip Kelly's record with the NFL and his parent, I mean, he has a smart, he has some smart parents, so they they haven't proven me wrong until they commit until he commits to USC uh but i'm expecting him to go to the other side of town so. i i do too i mean especially with DTR coming back which um i'm excited about i i know we've been critical of him in the past but i i think he's proven to be a very good quarterback and i've been fighting with people on twitter um there's a lot of haters that you know, just don't like the guy for whatever reason and won't say why, but uh, they just, I don't know why at this point, what, what he has to prove after the last three, four games of the season. I think he really put it together, but I'm excited to get DTR back. So getting Williams is really of no consequence to us, except for if he does go to um, the other school, then that, makes it a little bit tougher for us to play against them. But I, I do think that all signs are pointing to him going there with DTR coming back, especially. Yeah. Which, I mean, it would just make for a fun conversation in the L.A. college football landscape. So we'll, we'll say to that. I mean, it would be wild if he did for some out of nowhere come to, come to Westwood. Um, then I don't know what we'd do. Maybe just run some sort of weird 2QB offense. Um let chip let chip go wild with it i yeah i that would be very strange but stranger things have happened in college football so we'll we'll probably find out in the next few weeks he's taking visits to other schools doing their due diligence so it doesn't look like there's any tampering yeah it is interesting i mean i think uh 
the other school semester has starting or has already started. Um, so the longer this process takes, the less likely it feels like he'd be able to enroll there, um, at least this semester. So I'm not, I, I don't know. It, it is, it is a weird one to watch. Um, the only reason I'm watching it is because we do keep getting mentioned. Um, but I don't think we have a legitimate chance, but there's enough weird idiosyncrasies with it to make you pause and be like, hmm. Yeah, we're doing a Maybe. lot of hmm right now and enjoying it until it's not a no longer <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. I hope he like ends up somewhere random like uh, Virginia the, uh, Sorry. or Eastern Washington. He takes that million dollar NIL deal and goes up there. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I where are, where like if Eastern Washington can come up with a one million nil deal, I don't know what offers are standing right now, but we have to somehow position ourselves. They, you know, I get it. The cost of living is not as insane in Washington, but there has to be a way to come up with one million. Like we have to make the news for a deal. I mean, granted, we have Riley Turner, which is cool, but um, we have to just have that crazy donor. I don't know if we can find him. Zed, I might need you to hunt him just so he'd be like, you want to bring news to your business? Offer this college kid some random three-star from Bakersfield. (laughs) You know, you you bring up an interesting point. Like, yes, we're not making that, like, big splash, but if you look at a lot of our players, like, especially a guy like Chase, um, Chase, why am I blanking out on his name? Chase Griffin. Chase Griffin, I wanted to call him Chase Griffiths, which I knew was wrong. Chase uh, Griffin. Chase Griffin. Um, he, if you look at some of his NIL numbers, he has like some of the most NIL deals and some of the most lucrative NIL deals in the country, um, just from the volume. So I don't know what our alumni or what some of the big donors are doing. They may be doing stuff quietly, which I think would be the more UCLA way, even though it would be. Uh, beneficial for them to announce stuff but we don't really always think about marketing very well uh, but that's a different story but I also think that being in this media market with so much potential we don't necessarily need to like have that big announcement like this alumni you know these 20 alumni put together some like NIL holding company for five million dollars or whatever isn't as necessary as somewhere like Eastern Washington or even Oregon or wherever, just because there's a business on every corner and big companies everywhere here that are, you know, accessible to, to these players to, to be able to take advantage of. Um, like, I, I don't know if you noticed, this is not football, but Johnny Juzang just got a deal with American Eagle, which is a big, you know, clothing company, national, maybe even international, but, um, like our players are getting these, these deals without even having like the alumni or donors step in. And I think that's a result of being in Los Angeles. So, um, it is interesting to see, I think though, there could be room for, for the donors to step in and make that I splash the money is going around. I don't, I mean, especially with Westwood ascent and, you know, and them guiding them through the process or AD, I think they're going about it really smart. 
I still want that crazy headline of some like I mean the Fat Sal's t- Fat Tiger was fun and whatnot, you know, but something in that sense like it's just so ridiculous. And I don't know if L.A. can come up with a character, you know, a businessman to 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 fit that in, but I want that 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 TMZ clickbaity one for one of our players. <laughs> See, I, I, I think LA could easily come up with that. Give me some sort of film executive or some entertainment industry Yahoo. Um, you know, like a like a younger version of Mo Austin, but more more uh, eccentric. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Uh, May, who's the guy who comes to all the Lakers games in a cowboy hat? Like someone who's just so crazy. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I yeah. forget his name. Like a Jack Nicholson type guy. Yeah. yeah. So we do have those guys. We just got to connect the dots. I just want one freaking TMZ headline about some player getting some crazy deal from some. We need to recruit like all of the, like any famous actor that's gone, gone to school here. Like give me like Will Arnett and Will Forte and like a couple of other comedians. Um, that are UCLA alum and have them pool together like $4 million. Could you imagine that headline? Like That would be sick. UCLA comedian alum like pool together money for an NIL deal. <laughs> to help their tech startup that focuses on nutrition like like a Soylent product. Something just so outrageous. <laughs> I just want to see a, a, a commercial too. Like all these, these Hollywood guys or entertainment people like announced this via a big commercial buy and it's like um arnett narrating it in his like crazy voice that would be amazing or like jack black doing something insane we just need the banana stand just promote it (laughs) it's all i don't know i i I just there's so much potential here yeah i'm all for it but to that point is like you said uh we'll figure it out I think, like, someone, you know, there's a big name. So Caleb Williams, just going back to him, Caleb Williams came to UCLA, right? Um, That's a big name, right? He already has a big name in college sports because uh, the ranking, um, the brand of football he played for um, already with Oklahoma, and and, and that wouldn't be, like, an upstart, you know, organically coming up through the school, uh, such as DTR or Chase Griffin or Juzang or Ahakes, who had some success, you know, and they had their moments. So, you know, I, it is interesting in a transfer market. But something for us to consider going forward is, like, getting a big name. If we're winning, so imagine a scenario. We, we win 10 games, 10 plus, in 2022, God willing. And there is a, a guy who's looking, you know, his coach leaves and it's similar to the situation. And he's like, oh, wow, he has even more confidence and he doesn't have a relationship with USC. There is always that in the next four or five years that could just blow up uh, the scene. And in terms of press and, 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 and again, make us relevant in terms of the football market, because obviously we have professional teams chipping away at that now. So something to consider for future transfers. Yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting time in college football, but um, it's uh, well, yeah, we'll see a lot of a lot of stuff to still still shake out with the NIL deals and and transfer market being so wide open right now. I'm curious to see what's what's gonna gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I think um, you just to just to wrap this up real quick. Um, you know, UCLA's women's basketball team got a 
much-needed um, series sweep uh, against the Washington schools. I mean, so correct? much better ball movement. Yeah, it was great to see. Um, that was that was some some good news there. I think they had lost a couple of games straight, so they are and they, actually they won now convincingly in... too as well. Not right. to cut you off, but yeah. No, no, I I, I watched a part of those games. Um, they did win. They I, against Washington State. I think they kind of they came back. They didn't score very many points in the first first quarter, uh, and then the second half, uh, they they really kind of stormed back. Uh, so that was that was nice to see. And now they're kind of back in the thick of things for the Pac-12 race. And I know they're doing this with a pretty limited roster right now due to due to injury. So there's some some hope there that they can. Um, you know, put together some some wins and get back in the that race, and hopefully uh, um, improve as the season goes on and get some some of their players healthy. Yeah, and I think they'll get there. They're one of those teams that will get better as time goes on, as we've seen. Yeah, one one can hope. Um, what else is going on? I know there's a few other sports starting. Um, Men's volleyball is doing awesome as number two team in the country. They beat Princeton. Um, I think track and field is starting it this week, I believe tomorrow. Um, if not, then sometime this week. And then softball starting up soon, I think in about you know 15 to 20 days. Yes, they just dropped their new uh, jerseys coming out. Some of their jerseys, they just uh, announced the home ones, and they look nice. Yeah. And I think the rest are being revealed in a couple of days, so that mm-hmm. would be exciting. And then uh, gymnastics fell. You know, they're number eight in the country. They fell in the meet, uh, didn't win the meet. They placed third with Minnesota and Iowa. It was pretty cool to see the the garbs that they had uh, honoring Dr. King. So that was um, probably the bigger conversation than the actual result, but that took place. So hopefully they pick it up uh, moving forward. And uh, you know, swimming and diving has done well and continue to do so. So, yeah, sports are turning on along. Yeah, um, and with that, hopefully we will um, catch you all next week after a couple of wins over the mountain schools and um, going into, into Arizona week. Hell yeah, let's get it. All right, go Bruins. Go Bruins.